Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Stay tuned with the two of two O's. See? How's that? Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Sci-Fi Saturday Night. your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you get me so easily. It is now time for us to put Earth under our rule. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you will give me witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Bye-bye Saturday night. If you're in Auckland, New Zealand, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to TalkCast 224. Join us as we renew old friendships, check out new stuff, uh, decorode the flux capacitor, and make friends with tribbles. Deep in Area 51 on sub-level 12 from the Gortone Deep Fried Deep Space Space Food Bar. Radiation-tainted venison whale fish available 26-7. Be sure to slurp your own narthex. I am the dome. Wow, that was really long for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap. Joining the talk cast tonight, some of our usual suspects from the Revere Time Vortex, our violent soundboard vixen, Countess of Shiny Stuff, inaccurately referred to as testy when all she wants to really do is test. Vice Secretary of Opinions or Us Weekly, the non-newspaper, echo-friendly e-zine for nerds, it's our own girl genius, Griana. I, I am testy when I test sometimes. I know that to be a fact, actually. From the stacks in her personal quiet place in the dank dungeon, indoor zen garden and robot reading room, the unmutable woman herself who is known throughout the known universe as the obvious successor to Dr. Susan Calvin. It's the Zombrarian. I got nothing. <laughs> oh, good lord. And that's different from usual. Oh, here we go. Our guest tonight is the marketing director of Action Lab Comics, producer, writer, and uh, general cool guy for the book Molly Danger, friend of the show since the very, very, very beginning. Welcome back, Jamal Igle. Greetings, brethren. You know, you realize that you were on, I think, maybe the third show we ever did. Really? Way back when we were working for Clear Channel. Oh, Wow. On the that, was, yeah, that was my first, the first trip to, uh, to, to the con. To Granite Con, yes. Yeah. And the noise in the background is the young lady who you wrote Molly Danger for. <laughs> yeah. And she's adorable. Oh, we've been listening to it for the past half hour. Couldn't be more fun. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that, that is Catherine, Katie, or as I like to refer to my little cream puff. <laughs> <laughs> She goes by many names, including Knuckles. Oh, ooh. ooh. <laughs> so we're going to talk, Jamal, in the second half of the show about uh, Molly Danger, about Kickstarter, about Action Lab, uh, 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 about Knuckles, whatever you'd like. <laughs> <laughs> but let's start the show as we normally do and talk about what's happened this week in sci-fi, comics, TV, movies. Yeah, not that much. Uh, yeah, it's been a kind of an odd week. This is some of the oddest freaking news ever, though, uh, concerning The Walking Dead. Zombrarian, you had something you wanted to go with. Um, kind of, yeah. So, and I've got something to go with after that about The Walking Dead that just blew my head apart. Which is really ironic considering my news about The Walking Dead. Did it blow your head apart or did it rip your guts out? No, hers ripped my guts out. Mine blew my head apart. Ah. Yeah. Hey, so, Cam. Sorry, go ahead. So, I'm going to give the warning. This spoiler. is a big spoiler. If you're not caught up on Walking Dead, and somehow, except for our podcast, you managed to completely avoid the internet. Boy, are you going to be pissed. Get caught up before you listen. Or put Pause your right now. Yeah, plug your ears for a bit. Um... So, on the most recent episode of The Walking Dead, Lizzie, who is 
Carol's sort of adopted daughter, who is unstable. That's a nice way to put it. Shall we say? Let's say, uh, like, yeah, three sheets uh, short of short of the whole trousseau, but go ahead. Well, and the main crux of her insanity is that she's pretty convinced that walkers are still real people. Mm-hmm. Well, I um, mean, they're real people in the way that so are dead people. No, she hears them talking to her. No, she's crazy. Yeah. Exactly. Um, crazy. Like, well, and everyone's been trying to convince her otherwise. And on the most recent episode, she decides to prove to everyone that walkers really are real people by killing her younger sister. Perfect. Makes sense to me. Woohoo! Wow. And then there are implications that she was going to kill the baby as well and would have if she hadn't gotten caught after killing her sister. And then Carol, poor Carol, who can't catch a break. Um, (laughs) Basically. Has to kill Lizzie. And it was a heartbreaking scene. Wants to. Yeah, what else are you going to do with her? Yeah, needs to more than anything else. It's yeah, it's I think she gift. enjoyed it a little. <laughs> Basically, the safest and best thing for the child is to shoot her in the head, which she does. Um, in an utterly heartbreaking scene that uh, was completely well acted. But a lot of people are saying, oh, well, that kind of goes too far. Oh, get over it. It goes it for too time. far for, compared to what? I don't know. People no. are saying that it was a big that it was a big step towards really dark stuff. Compared to what? Compared to Carl shooting his own mother? <laughs> Come on! This is a fact. Okay, no, no, if you think that's bad, I can actually make it worse for you. There is a company called, uh, uh, it's a Fox-owned subsidiary broadcast network, which should tell you a lot right there, called Wait, My Fox Network. Fox-owned AMC? I don't, I don't think believe so. Because that, no. that affects this story for me. It might, but no, I don't believe they do. Okay. It's called My Network TV, and it's usually used for the sub-bands of the HD channels, where they're now showing the Munsters and Nice. You know, other other throwaway the stuff. Monsters. Right, they basically they basically replaced all of the old uh, UPN and uh, right. affiliate stations. Right, UPN. That was oh, an yeah. awesome station. So UPN was the best. It was so the My best. Network TV bought the rights to The Walking Dead, and they're going to air it across their fifty or seventy stations. Cleaned up. Without all that pesky violence, yeah. So they're going to be 10-minute episodes. (laughs) Yeah, basically. They will begin airing, quote, family-friendly, quote, reruns of the show later this year. Can you have a bigger oxymoron? Didn't they try to do do that with South Park? What? Yeah. How would that even work? When uh, South Park first started syndicating on regular on broadcast television, I think it was my network trying like they edited the South Park episodes. Oh my god! Ours, I don't even understand or, how that purports to work. Ours bleeped South Park, but it didn't come anywhere close to claiming that it was family friendly. No, there so, there, there were some markets that did actually edit the episodes. And it didn't work. They they had to go back to the the original format with the bleep with the bleeps, and of course, but and then they they show them in the safety hours after ten. Yeah. So what's going to happen is they're going to edit and run two episodes a week, edited for clean broadcast standards at half an hour apiece, easily like an old uh, yeah, no, like twenty two minutes. Here's lots of commercials. 20 minutes. Oh, my God. Just, just sick. Extra commercials. Now, now. Can you tell me what Walking Dead is about other than, oh, my gosh, we're going to die because zombies and sex? No. Oh, it's, oh, my God, we might get bruised. 
<laughs> because this th thing is shambling towards me. I want I want to just end this debacle with the quote of Frank Kachia of Fox Television who said it's not often you get to add the hottest show on the planet to your light-up. We just did. And what we've done to it is a tremendous get for our stations. What? God help you. The Walking Dead, now airing only in Utah. <laughs> that may be the only place where they actually watch this. <laughs> what a bad idea. I mean, I know people who watch Walking Dead with their kids. Their kids being, you know, 12, 13 years old. Right. Yeah. But, dude, if your kid's not ready for Walking Dead, don't try to watch Walking Dead with your kid. Well, no, I think the point is if you're going to take a show like The Walking Dead, and I think they, uh, you know, if I'm wrong, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm right about this because I think they also tried to do the same thing with Sex and the City. Like they edited the episodes so that. It was, it was more broadcast friendly. What the hell? No, I can actually see that because there were other things in that show. Right, but The Walking Dead is basically about it, you know, running violence. from zombies, violence, and sex. It, it's yeah. Violence That's pretty much and, all it is. And violence. And Except for season three, which was the humans are the real monsters. Yes. Or, or season two at the farmhouse where, That's hey, let's true. pretend nothing's going on. Yeah, nothing happens in this oh my entire gosh, you season. You know what it's actually going to be? It's going to be a Where in the World is Carmen San Diego? <laughs> Only it's going to be Where in the World is Carl? <laughs> Carl San Diego. Carl, get back in the house. <laughs> we found Carl's hat in the country that has the Eiffel Tower in it. <laughs> God what helps. continent is he on? Hmm. Rockapella comes out. <laughs> yes, I love Rockapella. Rockapella doing the theme to The Walking Dead. <laughs> Dressed as zombies. I would watch that. Oh my too. god, yeah, right? Absolutely. Me too. Who wouldn't watch that? Uh, I don't uh, know. I feel like we need to pitch this to someone. Who can we pitch this to? Seriously? I do believe we can pitch it to my TV. <laughs> and the only thing you know is that he's not in the house. That's right. <laughs> All right, yeah. Wow. So dead. that was that news item. That show got so bad. So here, here's another show that is going to annoy more people than it's going to please. Uh, I think Grimm, uh, which there's a real split about whether you're going to watch it or not. Who still I watches that? I still watch it because I want to know the Glugenferben of the week. Oh. Peter also, also, there's Monromance, I hear. But. There's, there is Monromance, and every, it's it's a procedural with Glurgen Flurbers. <laughs> keep in mind, I've never seen Grimm. So, you, you're basically caught up now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Glaukenspeigen. Just, just, just throw in some vaguely German-sounding syllables, and you've got the plot of the week, basically. Right, and that's that's the monster that they have to figure out a way to kill based on reading the old books of the Flurbers and the Glurbers. Uh, yeah, of the aunt who died of cancer. Right, not a Only bee. it wasn't cancer. It was, never mind. It was totally yeah. cancer. And so it was Reaper. So it's basically Supernatural is written by Bill Cosby. Oh yeah. God, yeah, it's supernatural, but bad. I swear to God, all we need is Jello pudding in there, and we're all set. <laughs> and a sweater vest, and and some some like child molestation or something. No, there wasn't any of that. Bill Cosby. No, there wasn't any of that. No, he just drug women wrong. and molested adults. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Date rape. Sorry. Yes. There we go. My, my apologies. Which is nowhere near as bad. Obviously course. not, no. So. So Grim got uh, picked up for season four. For some reason. Which blew me away because I didn't realize it was actually three seasons in already. It doesn't feel like it. What's, what network what's is Grim on again? Is it NBC? NBC, uh, 8 o'clock on Fridays, I believe. NBC, the That's show, the, the station you wish would cancel but it's eight o'clock on Friday, which means they're up against nothing. Yeah, well, there's, there's, there's nothing uh, else on. 
Shark Tank, I think. <laughs> I would like take I Shark Tank! I will yeah. take Shark Tank! We record Shark Tank and we no longer record Grimm. What so does that, that tell should be you? Something. I will take the Shark Tank. I came up with an awesome concept for Shark Tank. I'm telling you that TV stations should hire me. They should. Where in the world is Carl San Diego? <laughs> and on Shark Tank, if they don't get their money, Mar- uh, Kevin O'Leary should have a lever and he pulls <laughs> it and they drop into an actual shark, shark tank. tank. <laughs> <laughs> in Britain, that would be just as fun. They would just drop into an actual lion's den. But couldn't like like uh, Mike Myers play Kevin O'Leary? Okay, that works for and, me. Yeah, I mean, that would be the best part of it, I think. I feel like it adds a certain sense of urgency to the show. I, I would agree. Yeah, <laughs> I would, it would certainly get me to watch it, that's for sure. Definitely not bad. One of the best shows that was ever on sci-fi, and wow, there's an uh, oxymoron. Sophie, you mean? <laughs> Warehouse 13 mm. is coming back for its final episodes uh. in April. Uh, and and there's only six of them. They've cut it. They've cut it to six. Screw you, Sivvy. And they begin on April fourteenth. And I suppose I will be watching them because that was probably the best show they ever did. It is probably. But, but yeah, I'm going to stretch out my neck because I'm sad it's being canceled. However, if they're having trouble writing it which I suspect may be the problem um, because I don't think they expected it to be this good and to go on for this long. I'd rather have them cancel it while it's still awesome than Eureka it. Oh, Eureka was terrible at the end. It got, it jumped the shark so hard. Yeah. It just didn't kill it. Well, exactly. And that's what I afraid would happen to warehouse 13 i'd rather right. have it go out on a high note yeah but it still feels like they're putting it out to pasture and that's not nice. well that's exactly what they are doing and it lasted five seasons which for siffy you know they I had feel like, like if they just put a little effort into it it could could go for quite a bit longer honestly. it should it should be able to go for one last six seasons season. in a movie come on kiddos no, well, no. Some shows they they just have a some stories just have a finite shelf life, uh, and if you don't know when to cut it off, you end up with Starbuck being turned into an angel, and you know, no, human but this being is this is not about Galactica. Yeah. This is Warehouse Thirteen. There's literally an entire warehouse of potential plots. Like it's it's not that that unidirectional. My suspicion is that they lost a writer. Maybe. Because I will say that while I really love James Marsters, I felt like his plot line in the last season was a little bit of a stretch. Well, that whole that whole uh, uh, religious underground thing was a really, you know, let's go to something tried and true. Yeah. And they were leaning really heavily on guest stars. Right. Which is never a good sign for but, a sci-fi but, but, show. But, but, but Captain Janeway is Pete's mommy. I know. Yeah, but we've known that for s- whole seasons now. No, and now were... she's on Orange but, is the New Black. But, uh, yeah, nobody watches that. <laughs> Except for everyone but you. Nobody watches that. I'm the only one that matters. Me, no, there's, me there's and Katie. really masterful casting uh, with some of the guest stars and... Then some really brother Data? Soft. Who can brother forget Data Brother awesome. Data? Actually, you know what? I could have forgotten that one because that was part of that whole debacle that took a left turn, went somewhere that ended up being nowhere for no reason. It was filler. And as good as, as he is, it was it was plot filler for okay, almost Can I just say season. that that man is so creepy? That man? Which man is that? Brother Data. <laughs> he is so creepy. Mm-hmm. Like it's even cool. as Data, he was creepy. Anytime I see him in anything, he is creepy. I think if I met him in real life, I would run away. <laughs> I think if you met him in real life, you'd be like, "Oh, Brit Spider's just the sweetest guy on the planet." No, because he's really not. He's he's all like dirty jokes on Twitter with Will Wheaton. Come on, <laughs> makes him awesome. No, you know who I'd want to meet in real life is Levar Burton. 
because I feel like he's the awesomest human ever. No, did we learn nothing from Troy? I know, you don't meet your heroes, but... You don't meet your heroes. We, we could just sing the Reading Rainbow theme song all day. I don't know how... <laughs> I don't know how you can say that, Zombrarian. How you can say that after meeting Big Bird. I did get to meet Big Bird. You did, so I should get to meet LeVar Burton, damn it. But you don't have to take my word for or it. Or Patrick Stewart. You know, hey, no, no, no. guess what? Actually, Jay? I want to hang out with Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen for a day because apparently they're best friends. <laughs> and it's adorable. But you know what? Dome <laughs> just gave me an actually really good segue. You want to hear it? Teaching Go Patrick Stewart it. and Ian McKellen to knit? Great yeah. idea. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of Big Bird yes, my and dear. sci-fi, yeah. this isn't on the, li- on the list. I'm going rogue. No! Uh, <laughs> You know what I'm really excited for this weekend? Go for it. Sci-Fi is premiering their new competition show that is much like Face Off, their makeup show. Only Jim Henson's Creature Shop Challenge. And the winner gets to work in Jim Henson's Creature Shop. Wow. I'm going to go be on that show. I want to go beyond that show. I don't know anything about making creatures, but I will damn well figure it out. I will (laughs) rock with me, and I will just knock people out, literally. That's like like my philosophy about inking. It's like, I I don't know how to do this, but I have a pen, and I'm willing to try. Let's go. (laughs) That's how most inkers get started. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm excited about that. No shit. That's that's incredibly cool to be excited about. There's no and question about it. It's gonna make me happy because my train station is closing and I'm gonna have to walk like half a mile to get to a train station now. You could oh, just no. take the Hogwarts Express. I could. <laughs> On platform nine point seven five. And sci fi was really smart because you know what else is happening this weekend? Please tell me it's Sharknado too. No, but that is happening. Sharknado versus Croctopus? Also Sharknado now available on Netflix. <laughs> did I just make yeah. that up? Yes, you did. <laughs> that was awesome. We should pitch it. Croctopus. We're just coming up with all of... <laughs> no, there was stuff. something An that was like... crocodile. Croc- there we go. Crocodilo? How about a crocodilo? <laughs> no, I think Croctopus was scarier. <laughs> I think so too, but like the crocodilo could curl into a perfect ball. How about poodle ranas? Ooh, that's <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! The new Muppet movie is coming out this weekend to make. Ah, me- well, glad we got there eventually. <laughs> I just figured I'd go with what I was saying five minutes ago, and no, there was go. a Sharktopus versus. Was it Sharktopus versus Sharknado? Are you <laughs> writing this down? <laughs> No, but it's being this to sci-fi right now. Wait, okay, wait, She's wait. tweeting it out to Sharknado. Right? I'm, I'm on. No, I saw a movie on Netflix that was more ridiculous than Sharknado. So I'm trying to figure out what it is. Me- oh wait, Mega Shark versus Crocosaurus. <laughs> oh, okay, that was that one. I did not make up, but but Croctopus. That's all me. I reserve the rights to Croctopus. Well, you want to do the comic? <laughs> And Croctopus versus Sharknado. Yes, exactly. I, I really think we've got a comic in there, Jamal. I think so. I've I got so. this like vision of a of a crocodile head with eight <laughs> tentacles coming out of it and no body anywhere, clinging to the side of a tornado made of sharks. And now I will not sleep well tonight. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh, hey, we aim to please. What can I tell you? <laughs> our family-friendly version of our show. <laughs> Croctopus? Where did that even come from? From that feeded imagination of you. I guess I, so. Brianna, you should knit me a Croctopus. <laughs> I don't even know where to start with that. You make octopus uh, legs and then I, you need a crocodile head and then you sew them together. <laughs> when you say it like that, it sounds so easy. This is not biology. <laughs> I guess not. Knitting. So let's take a quick check of, of two Kickstarters that we've been watching and had people on. Uh, first of all, let's take a look at Indiegogo and the Inspector Chronicles, an untitled movie picture about a space traveler who also 
can travel through time. Uh, they are very, very close to hitting their goal with uh, about a week left. They are about $4,000 short. So guys, hop in on that. We'll have the hot link for it uh, on the uh, webpage. <clears throat> yeah, and we need to have the inspector back on the show. We will have the inspector back when they start to uh, actually shoot the movie. <clears throat> he promised us that. Yes, I, I also have my Inspector Space Time ringtone on, so, you know. You know, we should have gotten his permission to be able to use that on the show. Did you ask him? I didn't, but I'm about to. Oh, well, you should. Because and, he'd uh, probably just be like, yeah, do it. Or maybe he'd send us something cool and custom. Who knows? And our other uh, Kickstarter, Craigie Who and Mr. Timey Pants comic book. <gasps> I didn't read Sunder's comic! You didn't? No, I bet it's hilarious. It's freaking awesome. Jamal, Jamal, if you haven't read this yet, you need to go read it. Because I forgot to read it last week when we had this poor woman on, and I just started giggling every five minutes, and and everyone would be like, what are you laughing at? I'd be like, Time Lord Juices. What? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Joe Whitby, who's who's an artist out of Cardiff, Mm-hmm. has put together this wonderful uh, webcomic called Craigie Who and Mr. Timey Pants, the uh, Craig Ferguson-themed Doctor Who Oh, webcomic. no. Oh, yes. Oh. All right, I'll have to look at this later. It's so amazing. <laughs> it's so amazing. And we, we had Joe on the show last week. Was it last week? Yeah, it, it was. was. I know. It feels like longer ago for some reason. I feel like and I've by, known her forever. I know. And by the time we were done, uh, she's going to be back on the show when her Kickstarter is done in a couple of weeks. Uh, hopefully for a really, really long time. Don't get ahead of yourself. So, Joe, if you're listening, you could have been here now, but your Kickstarter is still she's going. She's not listening. She Want to bet? Yeah. She could be. You I'm don't looking. We've got Cam. <laughs> Just saying. So those are our Let two Kickstarters. Cam. And uh, good stuff. We'll be looking forward to talking to the inspector. So really nothing was going on this week. So in that case, I'm going to take over for the dead redhead and say we had a poll two weeks ago. You're doing it wrong. Hello? We had a poll two weeks ago. Is that better? No. A little bit better. Now do it in your real voice. <laughs> I was doing it in my real voice. Do you want me to do it in my fake voice? No, let's not. Okay. Go ahead. Um, well, and the topic was which comic book creation should get the Hollywood treatment next? <sighs> so, number three. Which I thought was kind of amazing. So, Frankie, if you're listening, tell us what you think of coming in I still want to write that theme song. Every time I see it, I'm like, Robot God Akamatsu, yeah! (laughs) Yeah! Coming Um, in at number two. Rose and Thorn, which I have never read. It's a national comics, uh, and it's kind of cool. I don't know what that means. DC has had the had them for decades now. Actually, the the basic concept: it's a woman who has a split personality. Like you know, Rose is sweet and kind, and Thorn is basically a masochist. Okay. <laughs> who uh, who becomes mean, a vigilante? Maybe question mark seems okay. Never heard of that one. <laughs> I mean, I know I've like literally never heard of that. But it's okay. been around for decades, actually. Hmm. But it's, it, coming, I don't, oh, sorry, go ahead. That's okay. And coming in at number one, Kriana. Yeah, Sandman, whatever. <laughs> there must have been a whole lot of Sandman fans out there because it was the big, big, big winner. I actually disagree with that. And I am a big Sandman fan, and I'm like, I, everyone says, oh, yeah, put it on TV, put it, make it a movie. And I'm like, no, don't. Some things, Are I, mean, good I mean, you know, 
it's nice to have uh, movies of novelization sometimes because it's neat to see things brought to life. I think that's a lot less true of graphic novels, in my opinion. Well, I mean, I think it depends. I don't, like, on top of my head, I don't know if there is a director other than probably, I don't know, Terry Gilliam or uh, the guy who the, the guy who did the cell with uh, Jennifer Lopez who could do the visuals justice. Was that Guillermo del Toro? No, no, no. He also uh, I think his name is like Tarshem or something like that. He also did uh, Immortals with uh, Henry Cavill. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't forget what that was. Yeah, he's very he's very much in the the Zack Snyder vein, but a little bit more ethereal mm. as a filmmaker. There are just some things that don't transport well. Well, and I was thinking, I was thinking lock and key, and then I went, uh uh, no. 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 It just, it just, I don't think it would do well. I think it would lose its magic in translation, you know? Well, here's the thing with me. Like, one of the things that I would love to see, but I don't know if they would ever do, and it's a, you know, another version of Sandman, which is Sandman Mystery Theater. Which I think would translate perfectly as like a television series. Wow, maybe. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's kind of the thing where there are things that translate so well into film, and you just look at the concept and you go, "Shit, yeah, that's perfect. That that'll look wonderful." Right. And then there's something like Superman, which they've tried to boot three times, and I don't think they've got it right yet. Well, in terms of what Man of Steel, uh, Superman Returns, and Lois and Clark, or no, in in terms of the the original Superman movies with uh, with George uh, George Papard, no, the George, George Reeves, George Reeves, and, and Christopher Reeves, Christopher Reeves is who I was going for. Thank you. I would and, I would disagree with you most highly on on Chris Reeves, but well, yeah, yeah okay, so you got the first one. Right. And then you did three more. Okay. Big mistake. Well, bigger mistake. Well, okay, but you got the first one, which is more than we can say for, like, Daredevil. Or Green Lantern. Electra. Oh, don't. No, no, no. Don't. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I went there. I went there. Yeah, it's a, you know, and it's a shame, too, because visually, you know, those are all really great books. And they just, just somehow don't they, make it. They've been neutered by Hollywood. Just completely had the soul sucked out of them. Because, you know, somehow that's going too far. And if, if you think the Marvel Universe is great, forget what the first uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was. Oh, with- God. <laughs> Oh man, I am loving Agents of Shield lately. No, 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 no! You got to go all the way back to uh, Mr. Hasselhoff. Yeah, what was that? Ninety, ninety-one, something. Yeah, yeah. Whoa! Wait a minute. What? Obviously, what we've learned here is Samuel L. Jackson kicks David Hasselhoff's ass. I think we knew that. I told you I was going to be the first one to swear. I, I realize. No, you, you don't. You, you don't get. You don't understand. This this Agents of Shield TV movie was awful. It was oh. mystery science theater level awful. It was written by David Goyer. It starred, it was, David, it starred David Hasselhoff. Why? <laughs> oh, believe me. Five minutes into it, everybody was saying that. It took five minutes? The effects were so bad. That's the impressive thing right there. But this was like the same period of time that they they also did the Generation X TV movie. Oh, right. God. Which was also god-awful, too. Now on Netflix. And they, they also maybe. had the, the Flash TV series. Right yeah, but that was just that. so much fun. Yeah, that, that might stray into the territory of awesomely bad. Yeah, I feel like the Flash TV series was so bad it was good. Uh, I, I never was able to take it that way. It's like never. Gilligan's Island. <laughs> so bad, it's good. Because Gilligan's well, no, Island the, just refused to take itself seriously. 
Well, the Flash TV series sort of ventures into that too, because I, I still, I have it on DVD. I still enjoy it. The Flash TV series sort of ventures into that territory of they really wanted it to be good, and then halfway through, the money started to run out. <laughs> so they did the best they could with what they had left. Duh. And they had a lot going against them because they, they it premiered against the the most popular television show of like the last like three years at that time, the Cosby show. And then they kept moving it around uh, on Which the schedule. Of death, right. Yeah. So it never really had a chance to, I think, to, to get any real traction when it was on the air. See, and now you can do that because people have TiVo and Netflix and it doesn't matter as much where you are in the schedule. Right, but you also have like a thousand television stations. Exactly. So if you if you know if you get a five share <laughs> in this day and age, you're doing sort of, yeah. yeah it's sort of like selling forty thousand copies of a comic book. You're doing really really well. I don't so, watch too much TV these days. I don't think anybody really watches a lot. I mean, I the only things that I really watch broadcast right now are Ages of Shield and uh, Arrow, and occasionally I'll. I have a little bit more time, but almost everything else that I watch right now is on Netflix. Well, here's the thing. Like, when I watch real TV, I get really annoyed that I have to fast forward through the commercials. Right. And then, if, God forbid, I'm somewhere else and there's a TV on, and they don't fast forward the commercials, I feel like I'm in the Stone Age. (laughs) Like, who watches this anymore? Why are they playing the same commercials over and over again? Oops. Yeah. God help you if it's during the daytime. You will learn about all the senior problems you never wanted to know about. <laughs> and every lawsuit that may be a class action you could be a part of. Barry Feinstein, I'm coming for you. And every community college and technical school in your area. Actually, I didn't I didn't get so much of those during my stint on daytime television, but um you know, I, I did I did actually find a great new science fiction show. It's called The Doctors. <laughs> I don't know what they're smoking, but what they're saying is not true things. Um, kind of scary. <laughs> Our guest, who we've just talked over everything with for no apparent reason. Jamal has been with us, uh, wow, uh, since the very beginning, six six years ago, on maybe I think our maybe third more show. than six. Just saying. Yeah, it might be. Yeah, our, our I third think so because uh, it was definitely before uh, I signed my contract with DC. So we're talking probably eight years ago. Wow. No, yeah, that's right. That's right. And Jamal is. Uh, Writer, producer, and, and all-around guy behind Molly Danger. Uh, <clears throat> ran a very successful Kickstarter campaign for it and is now also the marketing director for Action Lab Comics. Last time we got together was in, in uh, one of the weirdest cons ever <laughs> in Framingham, Massachusetts, which was in 17 or 18 small little rooms in a hotel. Yeah, uh, over three floors actually, which was even stranger. And it, was a, it was very oddly laid out the way that it had everything set up. I, I particularly liked the row of porn stars that was facing the row of celebrities. <laughs> Literally, they were staring at each other. It was like this gauntlet of porn stars, including Carol Spinney. Yeah, and Carol Spinney was sitting across from them, going. You know, I used to be Big Bird. <laughs> he still is Big Bird. I know, I know, I know. So, and then I so, almost yeah, talked to Ron Jeremy and at, like literally walked into Ron Jeremy and Dome had to save me. Oh. <laughs> if you've ever been pulled like that, it's a painful experience. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then we turn a corner and there you were in this kind of small elongated room. 
And we started talking about things like, you know, Molly Danger and, and your new job at Action Lab and how that was going. And then I made the mistake or possibly the fortuitous mistake of saying that we just lost him. Arg. Grr. And we Arg. got him back. I'm back. What? That was odd. But it's <laughs> so it's always odd. <laughs> And, and I, I was talking about a Kickstarter that we were thinking of doing, and he said, wow, have I got stories about Kickstarter for you. Oh, yeah. So I, I thought we'd kind of talk about that because, you know, your fans and, and the people who love your work and the work you do saw the Molly Danger Kickstarter and just went, this is great. He's This is so good for him. And, and he got funded and everything's nice and it's easy and it's fun and... It's not that simple, actually. simple. No, it's not that simple. It, it's, an, it's still an ongoing process because um, it's taken much longer to ship books out to people than I originally intended. And I'm constantly working. I'm constantly shipping books out. Um, it's a process, especially when you're doing allocation on your own. And I had a lot of backers, and I'm thankful for that. But you know, I want to make sure that everybody gets their stuff. And no matter how long it takes, I will make sure that everybody gets their books. So when you originally put the Kickstarter together, you were there, and all you had was this idea for Molly Danger. Right. And you said, this is what I want to do. This is how I want to do it. I want to do it outside the normal distribution channels so I can do it exactly the way I want it done. Sounds easy. Um, you would think so, but uh, in, in theory, yes, it does. It did sound very easy. And I didn't never, and I never assumed that it was going to be easy. I knew that the production was going to be, was going to take a very long time, especially for. The, the level of detail that I was going for and the intricacy of the story as well. It, it, it took a month to write the script. Um, it, it took another nine, almost nine months to, pro to actually produce the book. And then it took another three months to have it printed and shipped. So you're looking at a year from start to finish for a single 48 page volume, which when you look at the way books are produced in, in France and in Belgium, that's, normal that's you know the status quo as opposed to the way you know comics are produced here in the states um so yeah so it, it was you know the length of the progress it was the the amount of money that was going to cost and we we went over budget in, in, in several instances um so, so you planned out this campaign through kickstarter right and i'm assuming that you had a group of people to work on it with you. Right. Correct. Okay. Uh, had any of them done Kickstarters before? No, they had, they had never done Kickstarters. A few of them are, have done Kickstarters since or have been involved with other creators who have done Kickstarters. But, you know, I basically in, in terms of actually running the Kickstarter, I was the only person running the Kickstarter. So I was doing all of the, the social media. I was handling all the correspondence with the backers and everything else. So you sit down and then you figure, I'm going to get this done in this amount of time. Right. It was, uh, uh, was it 70 days? Uh, no, it was uh, 40 days. No, it was a thirty-day campaign. Actually, it was. It was so. It was one of the shorter campaigns. Right, right. And I well, keep in mind that it took about six months to actually build the campaign. Papa, look. I, I see, baby. You <laughs> take his head off. Yeah, I know. Look, he's like. Here's a head. Here's a head. Here's a head. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Jamal, we need it. <laughs> right? <laughs> Dance break. I know. <laughs> so, okay. So, like I was saying, um, it, it took me about six months to actually put the, put the campaign together, like the incentives and everything else. I kept going back to it and. I had, you know, I had said to myself that I was going to launch on August first. I gave myself that much time to, to do the research that I needed to do in terms of pricing and you know, the setting up the schedule and 
setting up the incentives that I wanted to do and, you know, and investigating other campaigns and seeing what made them work and what didn't work, what were the most popular incentives, what the, you know, the, the, the time frame, because they tell you that a 30 day campaign creates a sense of urgency in the backers so that, you know, you're not sort of sitting there, but you do end up kind of sitting there somewhere in the middle of the campaign as things start to slow to a trickle. And you're wondering, you know, why the hell am I doing this again? Um, <laughs> <laughs> why am I putting myself through this, through this agenda? And it, it really, running the, the running the Kickstarter campaign really was probably one of the most emotionally draining things that I have done professionally. So mm-hmm. then you get funded. Right. You created that sense of urgency. You created a bunch of people who really wanted to see this happen. Right. You've got it written. You're all set. Now it's easy, right? No. <laughs> because at the, the not only, you know, I've got it written, you know, the the book's being written. I'm yeah. I I start working on the pencils. You know, everybody's everybody's waiting. Uh You know, everybody's waiting to get pages from me, so I'm, you know, constantly having to feed stuff through while I feed this stuff through. I'm still producing incentives. I'm mailing incentives out. That was the first thing that I, the the, the first batch of incentives I wanted to make sure that I the, I don't do people as soon as possible because I didn't want to be waiting around. But one of my my mistakes, however, was I should have did some of the. Uh, the personal commissions first instead of waiting until after things are done now you know, with other work it's just taking a little bit longer to, to get those commissions done but um but yeah it, it, you know you're still producing, you're producing you're still doing promotion because you have this project that you're trying to get out and you're you know you still have to do promotion past the kickstarter once the the money's there once, you know, at least in that case, you know, everybody wanted to know what I was doing. So the, the, the first thing that I did was uh, hit New York Comic Con. I, you know, I tried to sign people up for a list to sort of generate information and to sort of pitch the basic idea around. And now that we have, you know, now that we have this book and now that we have funding and, you know, the book is being produced. This is when I'm expecting it to come out. I'm talking to retailers. I'm talking to Diamond. I'm talking to my publisher. And, you know, and there's all, you know, all this other stuff that's going on, you know, around me. So, you know, I have two jobs suddenly, you know, as, you know, not just the creator and the writer and the artist, but as the, the guy who has to pitch this project. To try and get it some traction outside of you know mainstream comics, right? Because what people don't realize is that in backing this project, that's not an end for you; that's a beginning. No, absolutely, it it, it is, um, and even in getting the first book the book done, it is the first step on a much longer the much longer path for me. You know, the the ultimate goal really is to to get Molly out there as a, a a character that people know and that people respond well to, and you know my my eventual goal really would be to just be working on Molly Danger related stuff, you know, or just you know working on my own projects. I still have other projects that I want to do, but Molly really is sort of my my long-term, you know, the, the, the long-term goal is really to, to do Molly full-time. So, and, and, and we're going to get off this and move on to other stuff, but the real question I want to ask is, this was funded almost two years ago. Right. Do you feel now, two years later, that it was successful the way you wanted it to be? I think... I, I would say ninety percent. I think it was successful. We, you know, I've I've run into, you know, in terms of shipping, you know, I definitely underestimated the shipping, but the the shipping rates also doubled, right, in the time since I launched a Kickstarter. And the, another thing 
you know, that I didn't really foresee being as much of a issue for me as it was, is just the, the allocation and getting the books out by myself. They, there weren't allocation services when I ran my Kickstarter. There weren't companies that specialized in, you know, shipping books to back, uh, shipping project, little product to backers. And, you know, when I do the next Kickstarter, that's something that I'm going to have to keep in mind. But in terms of just the, the, the critical response, and you know we're we're doing pretty well you know now in terms of sales we're talking about doing a second printing so you know in terms of the response to the book the response to the book has been better than i could possibly imagine that's great so uh, which kind of kills my next question was uh are you planning on doing another kickstarter clearly the answer there is yes Yes, but I want to make sure that before I do another Kickstarter that everybody gets their crap. <laughs> that's, that, that's my goal right now is to just make sure that you know, everybody gets, gets what they pay for in the first Kickstarter, no matter how long it takes. And then I will launch a second. What, baby? What is it? What is it? And now, a moment with Katie. <laughs> It's funny. Right? Uh, it is very, very funny. You look, you look, you look, girl. Yeah. But, <laughs> on a bike. Okay. You like sleeping on a bike. Yeah. <laughs> I I'm feel back. like watching a surrogate babysitters tonight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's five and three quarters. What do you want from her? Perfect. <laughs> That perfect age where nothing phases her and everything affects her. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so uh, you finish the Kickstarter, and the next thing I do is I get an email from Action Lab Comics, and you're the new marketing director. Yes, yes. So That's on top of finishing that, you've now got this new job with Action Lab. Right. And, and this is, uh, from what I can see of it, and the number of interviews we've done with them, these guys are crazy. But it's a good kind of crazy. <laughs> I love Action Lab. Are you kidding me? Absolutely. That M Theory comic is my favorite. M Theory is is awesome. Itty bitty bunnies, bunnies in a rainbow pixie candy land is the funniest goddamn comic that I have read in a very long time. Uh, but we've got a lot. You know, Pir uh, Pirate Eye is good. Fracture is good. Zombie Tramp is good. I mean, we've got. You know, these guys really do know how to pick projects. I mean, that's, that's basically like the the board, the, the the governing board of the company, basically sits down and looks through every submission, and they just you know it's basically like is this something we would want to read? You know, if we weren't producing it, would we read it? And if it's if everybody is in agreement, then that is the book that gets picked. Oh yeah, and I mean you know some some of my fav some of our favorite interviews have been with the crazies who write this stuff. <laughs> Action we love it. them. We absolutely do. No question about great. it. I mean, when when Larkin Ford was on, it was just uh, we had them both. Larkin and, and Brockton. That's right. right. Kind of kind of fun. Kind of odd. Kind of. Well, I've only traded emails with Brockton. Uh, I haven't had a chance to speak to him yet, but you know he, he's a good guy. You know, and he's a good, he's a very talented writer. They're so crazy. It's they're awesome. wonderful. <laughs> it's awesome. It's just being that much left of center and still staying somewhat hinged to reality that that makes their stuff so good. Well, you know, it it really is, and part of the reason why I decided to to join the company is it's nice to see a publisher, a new publisher especially, willing to take the chances that a lot of other companies aren't taking right now. You're not going to see an Action Lab-style book at Dynamite or at Dark Horse or at Image, you know, you know, with, and even I would say even like with the image stuff, like stuff like sex criminals is probably would come close. But you're not going to see an M theory. You're not, gonna, you know, you're not going to see a, a story about a, a 
a guy and his you know talking kitten that he found in the street the you know killing no, clown zombies yeah awesome. so so i got this wonderful email about the wishing to hell i lived in greensboro right now yeah <laughs> Action Lab is doing their first fan outreach event in conjunction with the Spirit of Comics Retailing Award nominated Acme Comics in Greensboro, That's right. uh, North Carolina. Uh, and holy crap. So can you tell us a little bit about what's happening there? And if somebody lives in Greensboro and isn't going there, you're an idiot. Go. And then call <laughs> us and tell us what, what happened. Yeah, basically, this is something that uh, Kelly Dale, who's my uh, my co-partner in the, the, the marketing department over at Action Lab, this is something that she spearheaded. And it really started out as sort of a signing, but then turned into kind of a mini convention um, from on uh, Saturday, March 29th. Uh, from 11 to 5 p.m., we're going to have Jeremy Dale, who's the creator, artist, writer, everything on Skyward, and Kelly, who's the marketing director, co-marketing director of Action Lab, as well as the editor of Skyward, and the aforementioned uh, uh, Larkin Ford, the artist of M Theory, along with uh, Action Lab's pre president, Kevin Freeman, and Brockton McKinney are all going to be doing seminars. They're going to be writing, you know, they're going to be talking to fans about writing. They're going to be talking to fans about drawing. Uh, we're going to, they're going to talk about the business side of producing comics and, you know, pitch, even pitching to Action Lab, if, that, if you are so, uh, so inclined. Uh, I do have to say that the classes are actually full already. But you will be able to to meet the guys, get you know your copies of Skyward and M Theory signed, and it's going to be a good time. You know, I kind of wish I would be able, I was going to be able to go myself. And the cool thing is, it's all free. Yes, it is one hundred percent free. You, you know, it gives you a chance to actually go if you haven't been to Acme Comics or you only know of it tangentially is. One, I've I've done events. I did free comic book day there at Acme. These guys are top notch in terms of just you know reaching out to the fans and trying to introduce comics to the area. And they do a lot with the local chamber of commerce. So it's going to be a pretty big deal. It's going to be nice. This this sounds like uh, just cool fun. It, More it than is. Else. It is. And we are actually. <laughs> Working on talking to other retailers about doing other fan out fan outreach events. Similar. If you ever feel like creators. doing anything up in New England, come and talk to us. We're more than happy to find a way to set you up with something. Oh no, I I think that would be awesome. I I would love to. Oh, we will talk. All we right. will definitely <laughs> talk. And we, you know we could go on talking for hours, but uh, we've we've done an hour. Wow, hasn't been wow. Okay. <laughs> Really? That's much better. There you go. We have a new end theme. I know, I know. I'm sorry. It's It's got way different levels than the last one. I should have checked that. That's okay. Kriana, who's going to be on the show in the next couple of weeks? Well, next week, Gary Summers is joining us to tell us all about his new show, The Pop Culture Expo. On April 5th, Michael J. Sullivan is coming for real this time. For real. <laughs> We're going to talk about Hollow World. It's going to be awesome. Okay. And on the 12th, Griffin and George are coming to tell us about how their debut podcast went. And this is a time where I usually say dead redhead. But Except now you're going to do this. She's not there. Right. So, um, i got to find the thing. Okay, you here we go. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Boston Comic Con, Granite Con, Rhode Island Comic Con, booksandbooze.com, and comicourhouse.com. Visit comicourhouse.com for the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Tonight's outro music is provided by Paper Kedadel. And it's a lot shorter than the other one, too. We may have to loop that. Start it again. Indeed. 
Check out more of their grooves on lawrencemademecry.com. Dome. I want to thank our guest tonight. Wait, you didn't say who the opening theme was done by. RobWattsOnline.com. We never say that. I know, but we kind of need to now. Do we? Yeah, I think so. I want to thank Jamal Lago for joining us tonight. Jamal, you're a friend of the show. You've been a friend since the very beginning. You're welcome back here any damn time. Thanks for having me, Dome. <laughs> it's a pleasure. From the Revere Time Vortex, the sweetheart of the soundboard, Kriana, and our grammar girl, Zombrian. Thank you very much, ladies. Talk fast. This is short. I hear you. <laughs> this is Dome saying, Genie, shared pain is lessened. Shared joy is increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everyone. Mm-hmm.